there is a growing number of tools for building and deploying serverless applications in the cloud. We are going to focus on two of the main alternatives, AWS SAM and the serverless framework. We are going to compare the features, the usability, and also make some speculation about the future of these two different products. If we do a good job, by the end of today's episode, you should know which one you are going to choose for your next project. My name is Luciano, and I'm here with Owen, and this is AWS Bytes Podcast. AWS Bytes is sponsored by Fortiorem. Fortiorem is an AWS consulting partner offering training, cloud migration, and modern application architecture. Find out more at fortiorem.com. You will find this link in the show notes. So we are ready to get started and let's talk about serverless framework and SAM. What are these tools for? Serverless framework and SAM, they're both infrastructure as code tools. I suppose that's the first thing we can say then. Um, they're geared towards serverless applications, but the do- applications you build and deploy with them, they don't have to be serverless. They're useful to, for deploying AWS infrastructure in general and just providing kind of a layer of convenience over CloudFormation. So CloudFormation, um, we've covered this in previous episodes, especially in our very popular CloudFormation versus Terraform episode. CloudFormation is, is very explicit and it can be very verbose. So with serverless framework and SAM, you're providing a more concise, user-friendly, interface that's just a little bit more implicit and provides a lot of shortcuts and defaults for you. They're designed, I would say, to make the process of writing uh, fast functions, so Lambda functions easier, but they also provide some convenient wrappers for APIs and step functions and things like that. And they also not just allow you to write the infrastructure as code template in an easier way, but they provide certain tools for building, packaging, deployment and local invocation as well. So doing all that stuff manually is a lot of work. So maybe at this point, we can just give a quick run through what are the highlights of serverless framework, what are the highlights of SAM, and then we can dive into some of the, I suppose, the more detailed uh, differences between the two. So let's talk about serverless framework. And for many, this is still the original and best. It was very popular um, when it first came out. And it was probably, I would say, very instrumental in helping many people get excited and start adopting serverless in the first place. So I would say the community and all of us uh, serverless developers owe quite a lot to it and to the maintainers. It supports multiple cloud providers, which sometimes we forget about, especially if you're working in AWS all the time, but it has backends for Azure and Alibaba Cloud and um, Cloudflare as well. So you can deploy to multiple cloud providers with it. Uh, what that means really is that the tooling remains the same, but of course your code and your configuration syntax will be significantly different depending on the provider you choose. And a big thing about serverless framework is its plugin ecosystem. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. So that's the serverless framework. Um, and then a couple of years ago, SAM came along. So SAM has only been generally available since 2020. And it's an open source project as well, but it's developed and managed by AWS. And it targets AWS as a cloud provider alone. So the way they implement it is as an extension to CloudFormation using something called CloudFormation macros. What that means is that more of the deployment with SAM is happening cloud side. So it's managed by the CloudFormation service for you. Whereas with serverless framework, the template is compiled wherever you're doing your build and deployment on your laptop or on your CI CD server. So you could say that the SAM approach is purer in that it's one that pushes more of the deployment responsibility to AWS to manage. Um, an interesting point to know, we talk a lot about CloudFormation here. Recently, they announced SAM Terraform support. Now, people, that might excite a lot of people. 
it's in preview at the moment, but it, it isn't trying to allow you to do everything you can do with SAM with CloudFormation, with Terraform. It just allows you to run a limited subset of features. So if you've got Lambda functions in a Terraform project, you can use the SAM CLI tooling to build and invoke them locally. So that's all it's doing for you. That's the headline features for SAM and Serverless Framework. Luciano, do you want to dive into some of the ways we can compare and contrast SAM and Serverless Framework? Of course. So I will say that the first main difference is a little bit conceptual. I think uh, it's kind of that difference between opinionated versus less opinionated and more flexible. So I will probably put some into the more opinionated bucket while serverless tries to be a lot more generic and flexible. And just to give you an example, uh, some doesn't allow you to modify a resource if it's not effectively declared in your stack. So you need to be a, a lot more explicit and this is not something you can work around. It's just the way that the framework is designed while SLS will give you ways to, to do that if you need to. And uh, th there are other differences that, that go in this direction. For instance, uh, um, a lot of things in serverless are done through plugins. So there is a natural approach to just build a plugin and you can extend with additional functionality if you want to. It's not as easy to write plugins in some, and we will talk a little bit more about that as well. Another big difference is the template syntax. Even though they both use mainly YAML, or at least uh, by default, YAML is the, the, the main thing you would use to write the SAM templates or the serverless framework templates. Uh, I would say the serverless framework is again, way more flexible than SAM. In serverless framework templates, you can you have a very expressive sub-language, like you can nest expressions into the YAML, and these expressions can basically allow you to interpolate data from different sources. And one of the most impressive ones, and you can, you can just say, get data from this JavaScript file. And what happens behind the scenes is that it's going to literally invoke the JavaScript file so you can build your own custom logic. And then whatever the JavaScript file is exporting is, is the data that gets interpolated in your own template. So that's one of the easiest ways that I've seen in any system to basically, in any configuration-based system to allow you to write your own dynamic code whenever you need something a little bit more bespoke. And what's even more interesting is that in recent versions of serverless framework, you can even avoid YAML entirely, and you can write the configuration template in JavaScript itself or even in TypeScript if you want to. And that opens up for even more dynamic scenarios because, of course, that's JavaScript code that gets interpreted when the template is uh, um, executed. So you can effectively run JavaScript code at that point in time if you need to do something even more custom. And I've seen some interesting examples where people will use that, for instance, to use to generate open API documentation uh, using maybe schema definition that they have defined already in JavaScript or TypeScript. So this is just to give you a feeling of how powerful that approach is. You might argue that it's not like it loses a lot of the declarative that's typical of this kind of systems, but it's it's an interesting trade-off, and in some cases it might be worth exploring this particular approach. Now, going back to SAM, SAM, uh, as we say, is a lot more strict. It gives you a syntax that is much closer to the CloudFormation syntax. And it's basically kind of a trimmed down version of that CloudFormation syntax because it's just giving you some macros that will be later on expanded in the cloud into proper CloudFormation syntax. So it's just a way to basically allow you to write more concise uh, syntax for functions, event triggers, uh, step functions, APIs, uh, policies. But at the end of the day, when the code is 
getting prepared to be deployed in the cloud, it will be expanded again to a fully fledged cloud formation. Um, the way that you can interpolate uh, variables is uh, much more limited than serverless framework because you can only use parameters and variables that are the standard ones available already in cloud formation. You could be hacking that a little bit if you create your own pre-processing step. For instance, you could use any templating language that will eventually emit that sum YAML. But of course, it's a bit of a hacky way and this is something that you will need to build yourself. It's not built in in the tool. Um, another interesting thing regarding syntax is that recently some introduced CFN Lint, which is a tool that has been available for a while, but now it's kind of built in into the SAM experience. And it's a very nice tool that allows you to validate templates just to make sure that the syntax that you are writing in that YAML, it's conformed to whatever syntax CloudFormation is going to be able to accept. So it's an extra validation layer that is closer to, to effectively the, the target that, that, that you have there. Now, talk, let's talk a little bit about languages that are supported uh, and the languages that are actually used to write these tools, because I think that that gives you some ideas also on why one is more flexible than the other, at least in my opinion. So serverless framework, it's, uh, um, you will probably notice using it that it's very well built for the Node.js experience, like kind of everything works out of the box if you're writing lambdas in Node.js. And... Uh, I don't think this is a coincidence. I think it's probably a natural consequence of the fact that serverless framework itself is written in JavaScript. So the authors of the framework probably had a lot of expertise with that particular language, and they probably spend a lot more time fine tuning the experience of using serverless framework for writing JavaScript code. Um, but of course, other languages are supported, but generally they require plugins. Again, that, that idea of extensibility through plugins so your mileage might vary depending on whoever is writing these plugins, the community that is maintaining them, and how much effort was already put into these particular plugins. Um, SAM um, is uh, well known to work well with uh, JavaScript and Python, uh, but supports other languages natively. And uh, just if you're curious to know, if you can check out, if you go and check out the SAM repository, you will notice that SAM is written in Python. So uh, not surprising that it doesn't allow you, for instance, to embed JavaScript files into the configuration file, uh, because it will be a lot trickier to kind of execute them with something written in Python. How do you get started? Let's compare the experience between SAM and Serverless Framework. So um, Serverless Framework is a, a JavaScript project, and as such is provided as a Node.js module which basically means that if you are uh, um, well used to the Node.js ecosystem and all its tooling, you can just do npm install serverless and basically you have serverless framework available. A and that means that you can even easily embed serverless as a development dependency for one of your projects. So that way you can have, for instance, two different projects, two different serverless projects, and one project could use serverless v3, for instance, another project could use serverless v2, and all of that is managed seamlessly by NPM. So you can have two different deployment scripts and the two executables, serverless v1, v2 and serverless v3, are totally managed independently and they are locked in into their own projects. Um, with SAM, it's a little bit different because SAM provides you native binaries for the major operating systems, Windows, Mac and Linux. So you'll need to download them and install them in your own system. Um, SLS is uh, well known to have kind of templates for serverless projects. So you have this command, this sub command in the SLS CLI called SLS create, 
which can be used to say, for instance, I want to start an API in TypeScript and there will be a specific uh, uh, command that you can run that is just going to scaffold all of that uh, boilerplate code for you. There is something similar in SAM called SAM init. So you might get slightly different templates, of course, but the idea is that you, are, you don't have to start from scratch, just pick a set of technologies and probably there is a template ready for you that gives you most of that boilerplate. Um, now, some might be a little bit more user-friendly because it, when you run some init, is uh, interactive, so it will let you pick different options in a more interactive way, while SLS is just probably cloning a Git repository where all the code gets provided to you. Um, build and deployment might be another interesting topic, and in this case, I think some is uh, probably a little bit ahead than serverless framework. Uh, because the, the first thing is that SAM uses CloudFormation change sets, and this is something that serverless didn't do for a long time, only recently they added support for that, but there are important differences there. If you don't know um, CloudFormation change set, it's basically a feature of CloudFormation that allows you to, rather than just deploying the differences in a template, it will basically do a preview for you. It's basically going to assess what is going to change, and then it's something that you can effectively decide, I want to go ahead and deploy this, or maybe you realize it's not really doing what you expected, so you can just stop that particular deployment. So with um, some, basically in your deployment process through some, it will very obviously show exactly the, the effect of this chain set. So it's very easy for you to visualize that uh, something has changed, which is actually going to be deployed and decide whether you want to proceed or not. With SLS, that kind of happens as well, but a little bit more behind the scenes. So you'll need to go into the AWS console to actually see what's going to be the effect of the change set. So it's a, it's a little bit more involved, while I think the experience with some is much smoother and user-friendly. Um, another interesting thing in terms of building is that some uses Docker out of the box, which can be very convenient when in your project you have native dependencies, for instance in Python or Node.js, if you are working on a Mac machine or a Windows machine, probably the local files that you have for these native dependencies are not going to work out of the box in a Lambda environment, which is a Linux-based environment, and maybe with a very specific architecture that might be different from the one in your particular development machine. So when you use Docker, uh, the build process is actually done in an environment that is going to be much closer to the environment of Lambda, so the risk of packaging something that is not going to work in the target architecture is much more reduced. Uh, so this is very convenient. You could do the same thing with serverless, but it's not really well known, a well-known feature because you'll need to explicitly pass a flag to enable that. Um, another final point about deployment, which is really, really interesting, I think it's one of the most innovative features of SAM and one of the strong points of SAM, is a feature called SAM Accelerate, which is relatively new. We mentioned it in one of our previous episodes, uh, episode 19, where we talk about the serverless development experience. So basically, SAM Accelerate is something that is meant to reduce the feedback loop that you have when you are developing a new feature. You do some changes, and in order to see if these changes in your code actually do what you are expected them to do, you probably need to do a deployment and test it in the cloud. And this is generally something that takes minutes. So it's kind of interrupting your development loop. It's distracting and it might be frustrating if you have to do it over and over. What SAM Accelerate does is basically 
automatically syncing your code as you do changes. You lose some of the guarantees, like you're not, for instance, able to do rollbacks uh, as easily as you would do with a full deployment, but it gives you a very quick feedback loop to see these changes almost in real time. So it might be really a big accelerator in that development lifecycle. So definitely a really interesting feature that if you haven't tried yet, I really recommend you to try because you can have that feeling that you are developing locally while almost immediately being able to see the changes reflected in a real cloud environment. What, what do you think? Is there anything else worth mentioning in the difference between SLS and uh, SAM? Yeah, that was really a comprehensive set of differences. Maybe a, a few um, small things I could I could add on. One that really bugs me is that with Service Framework, it still doesn't work with SSO credentials, which is mm -hmm. like, I think a lot more people are using SSO for sign-on now, or IAM Identity Center, as it's now called. There's been a GitHub issue open on the Serverless Framework for a couple of years. And um, recently they've commented on that issue that they just don't have time to add the support. It's a bit unfortunate. Sam supports SSO credentials already. Um, if maybe as well for people who are thinking about how they structure their project and dividing their project in a repo into multiple services or stacks, um, Sam supports nested stacks. That's a reasonably recent addition, I believe. It's a nice way of organizing your project and you can deploy the top level stack and it'll deploy whatever changes are necessary within all the stacks underneath. Serverless Framework did have a plugin to support that, but it's not really not maintained like a lot of the less used plugins. Um, but it does have a really good new feature called Serverless Compose that allows you to manage and deploy multiple stacks together. So that's a, that was a really nice one. Might also be worthwhile talking about like how good these two tools are supporting new AWS features as AWS changes. And I think for both, it's pretty good, actually. SAM support is generally pretty good now. CloudFormation support is usually a lot faster than it used to be when it comes to supporting new features in AWS services. Uh, but the serverless maintainers, when it comes to new features, like when container image support came out or ARM Graviton processor support came out for Lambda, you know, those are significant chunks of work for those teams, but they really seem to... Uh, pull those uh, out really quickly and get them released out to the community, which is pretty fantastic. When it comes to permissions, getting permissions right is always a tricky thing about building AWS applications and serverless applications. Now, Sam has a few things that are attempts at making this easier. One is they have some pre-baked policy templates. So these are just ways of kind of reducing the amount of boilerplate you have to write for IAM. And the other one is a new feature called Sam connectors. And this is when you've got this kind of pseudo resource called a connector that you create and it allows you to say for this DynamoDB table give access to this function and make it give it write access or read access so the idea is to make it a little bit more understandable I suppose for people who don't understand IAM I'm kind of in two minds about it really I'm not sure I like any of these things I think when it comes to IAM it's much better to be explicit even if it means more verbose syntax and just understand what you're doing and be very fine-grained with the serverless framework, you've got a nice way to specify IAM statements for functions, especially if you add in the very common IAM roles per function plugin. So I would much favor that approach to it and not to try and dumb it down and provide this kind of half solution to simplifying IAM. Uh, let's talk, you mentioned t t uh, JavaScript, so we might just talk about transpilation. If we've got ES build, um, that's supported in SAM already for TypeScript and JavaScript, uh, new versions of the language. So the serverless framework, you can add the serverless ES build plugin and it works too. So you generally set for both of them. 
And then both of them provide local development experience. So you can do lo local invoke on both of them and you can use a local API gateway simulation. The only difference with serverless framework is that the API simulation is provided with a plugin serverless offline, whereas Sam runs it locally for you automatically. And then I suppose there's a big standout one with CICD for Sam. And I really like this one now because it allows you to basically bootstrap a complete continuous integration pipeline and deployment pipeline using any of a large set of providers. So code build and code pipeline within AWS, but it can also support Jenkins or GitLab CICD, Bitbucket and GitHub Actions. So this will create a pipeline which will deploy to multiple environments and also supports feature branch deployments. We had an episode a while back about OIDC providers and why you should use that method for getting your GitHub Actions to authenticate with AWS. Sam will create that for you. So all of the complexity of creating that and creating the associated role is managed when you bootstrap your Sam pipeline. So that's a really nice one. Um, and maybe just lastly, before we start uh, wrapping up and giving our more opinionated uh, view on which you should choose, when it comes to just extensibility, you mentioned the plugin ecosystem in serverless Luciano, and we can give an example because you and I and a few other, the fourth year team are working on a, a fairly significant plugin for serverless framework, which now supports Sam as well. It's called SlickWatch and it's for adding alarms and dashboards into these projects automatically. So it has to basically look at your whole template, find out what functions, APIs, step functions, DynamoDB tables you have, and creates alarms and dashboards for you. Um, when it comes to serverless framework, it's pretty easy to write a plugin. The documentation is a bit hairy, but there's enough examples out there where you can figure out how to use it. When it comes to SAM, your only option really is to create another CloudFormation macro. And then I suppose that's an, it's nice in some ways because um, it's similar syntax to SAM itself. You just add another macro and CloudFormation service is going to do that transformation for you. Uh, but the thing is deploying macros into people's accounts, it takes a bit of work, a little bit more work than just adding a serverless plugin because you have to deploy them. We can't just publish a macro to the public registry in CloudFormation. You can't do that, only AWS can do that. So it's a pity we can't do that. Um, it just makes it a little bit more of a step. But once you do that, it's, it works the same. You know, We can use 90% of the same code to deliver SlickWatch, whether you're using serverless framework or SAM because the, the macros are just implemented as Lambda functions and we can run them as JavaScript same JavaScript code. So I think we've covered fairly exhaustively all the differences between these two tools. So maybe this is the part that people really want to know, which should they use? Which direct, which, which one is the one that people should choose for the project today? And what's the future look like? Where are they going? Yeah, that's, that's definitely an opinionated piece, but we're going to try to bring some evidence into the answer. Like we're not going to say pick one or the other, but we are just going to give you some indications. Like if you favor a specific thing, maybe one tool is better than the other. So definitely I like the sum uh, generation of pipelines that you mentioned. This is a really amazing feature. It is always quite painful to generate pipeline codes and then testing it. You probably end up doing millions of deployments, just trying to figure out, is my syntax correct? Does it really do what it wants it to do? So the opportunity to just bootstrap something that it's reasonably doing most of that work and for different kind of CICDs, it's an amazing feature. So if that's something that you really care about and something that you have been spending a lot of time in the past, probably going with some and leveraging this feature can be a big enabler for you and your team. Um, if you are targeting uh, other cloud providers, not just AWS, 
that's an argument for a, for serverless framework because of course some doesn't even try to support other cloud providers so your only option really is to use serverless framework there between the two so again worth remarking that your code and your configuration are going to be significantly different there is no magic cloud abstraction cloud provider abstraction but the tooling remains mostly the same so you could be using the same tool for both let's say aws and azure if you go with serverless framework um, then if you really want flexibility of configuration again this is another point in favor of serverless framework like if you really have uh, requirements that force you to have very dynamic data that gets interpolated into your templates, you're going to have an easier time just going with serverless framework because with some you'll need to figure out your own pre-processing logic if you want to do something like that. And this is also similar if you need to write custom extensions. Maybe you want to do something special at build time, you have, I don't know, very specific build requirements, or maybe you need to generate pieces of CloudFormation dynamically depending on different parameters it would be much easier to write your own custom plugin for serverless framework rather than having to create your own CloudFormation macro, get that deployed and then integrate it with some. So another point in favor of serverless framework if you care about that kind of degree of extensibility. So I would say that all in all serverless framework um, used to be a lot more mature than some. So there might be a little bit of an opinion if you search around that some still new and not mature enough but i think this is kind of slowly changing because these days some really has caught up with all the features of well at least most of the features or the main features of serverless framework and it has even some new features like the pipelines that we mentioned or the ability to synchronize your code with the cloud in real time that makes it really a well worthy choice um I personally used to choose a lot serverless framework as a default in the past. These days I'm kind of always thinking a little bit more about it. Like if I don't really need that level of extensibility, I'm probably gonna default to some because it feels like a safer um, choice going forward. And this is probably a good pivot point where we try to speculate a little bit more about what is going to be the future of these two projects because this might inform your decisions on whether you want to pick one or the other for a given project. So again, this is probably the most opinionated piece of the, the, this episode, so take it with a pinch of salt. But the, our opinion is that it feels that AWS is investing a lot on some, so we expect that it's only going to get better and better. Uh, and they are both open source projects, but it's important to see that ownership piece like while some is clearly owned by aws and it's in the best interest of aws to keep it up to date and add more feature and make that development experience as nicer as possible because it brings more business to aws itself the service framework is is a lot more open and as a community but at the same time the project itself is backed by a company so it's a little bit difficult to understand how is this company going to get a return? There are investors, of course, they need to, uh, to, pay, to pay back on that investment. And even if they care about the community and the user experience, there might be decisions there that we cannot predict that will aff affect negatively or positively the experience of the user in the end. So it, it, I think there is a bigger question mark there on what's going to be the future of serverless framework when we compare it with some and I have a slightly related note to that point, which again, is just my own uh, bugbear with serverless framework. I, I used to think that the serverless documentation was quite good, like the documentation itself on the website, but also a lot of related blog posts. 
And it was very easy when I was doing serverless in the very early days and using serverless framework to just search for anything and you will easily find either the documentation or a blog post and find the answers you were looking for. These days, for some reason and quite unexpectedly, it is not as easy anymore. I find myself myself ending up more and more on the commercial side of the offering that serverless framework has to, to give to users rather than actually finding the documentation for the open source tool that I'm looking for. I don't know if that's intentional just to drive more business to the, the commercial offering or it's just a side effect of trying to combine a commercial offer together with an open source project so that the, the website itself becomes a little bit more convoluted and even organizing the content gets of course more difficult so i don't want to blame necessarily uh, the, the serverless company for trying to, to make revenue out of this project but that the net effect on the users is that it gets more confusing to, to figure out how to use the open source part of the project. So just, just to conclude, I would say that it is also fair to say that Sam doesn't really have a great documentation either. It's probably okay, but sometimes when you want to do something that is slightly off the standard, it's not very easy to understand how to do that. So maybe this is just a suggestion for AWS to try to invest a little bit more time in trying to document different kinds of setups, different more advanced features that you might have with some and maybe provide a lot more examples because those will, will definitely help people to, to get started with all the different features and all the different kinds of permutations of projects. Okay, I think that that's probably more than enough that, that we want to cover for this episode and we gave you a lot of opinions but of course we will be curious to know what is your opinion? Do you prefer some? Do you prefer serverless? What are you using for your current projects? And are you going to be using something different in your next project? And of course, this is uh, only a portion of this conversation because of course there are other tools. There is CDK, there is Pulumi, there is Terraform. So if you don't use either some or serverless and you end up using other tools, we would love to know why, what, what are your requirements? Why did you make this choice? And maybe we can do another episode in the future where we try to explore some other of these tools and compare the differences. So thank you very much for being with us today and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode.